This is the Emerging Markets and Investments Podcast, brought to you by Public Wire. Now, here's your host, Mark Hirsch. Welcome to the show. I want to give a special thanks to our sponsor, publicwire.com, your number one source for emerging market news. Our guest today is Carl Kottmeyer, president of Chemistry. Carl is a former investment advisor and a member of the McDermott, St. Lawrence, and Raymond James corporate finance teams. He has 20 years of practical experience in listing, financing, and administering companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange and TSX Venture Exchanges. And he's raised in excess of $150 million in equity capital for resource-based ventures. Carl holds a Bachelor of Arts degree from the University of British Columbia. I'm going to welcome you to the podcast, Carl. Mark, thanks very much. It's great to be here. Excellent, excellent. Well, you know, we've touched on your background and your bio here, Carl. What else can you tell us about yourself? Well, Mark, I've got a career in venture capital. Um, and venture capital has always had a home here in Vancouver, where I've grown up and uh, and I, I live. Um, however, my career has taken me all around the world um, with business ventures in Africa, Mexico, capital raising ventures all over North America, Toronto, New York, London, uh, Zurich. So it's been a it's been a varied career, which I think is great. But you know, at the end of the day, I really like uh, being in the public markets and raising money and uh, making money for my shareholders. That's great. And Vancouver is a beautiful area of the world as well. So, you know, corporate finance, it's clearly one of your areas of expertise, but how did you wind up raising money specifically for Toronto Stock Exchange listed companies? Well, after a 10-year career in the, in the brokerage side, I uh, was actually offered a, a, a job by one of my clients who was a very successful mining entrepreneur, went to work for him for a year and had a bunch of success with him and then set out on my own having the capital behind me now to do that and uh, really have never looked back. That's a great story. And, and how is it that you got into the cannabis sector? I got into the cannabis sector sort of laterally from the Canadian, uh, in terms of the Canadian arc of the story through one, one of my business partners who was close associates and friends from uh, childhood which, with a number of gentlemen who have had their careers in cannabis here in the Pacific Northwest and who had never done anything on the public side of things. So we sat down as a group and decided that we liked the U.S. facing idea and just decided to put a, a little public company together. And that's how chemistry was born. Wow. That's a cool story. And, and you know, it's a, it's a really fast growing industry, but what do you consider to be the most common misconceptions about the cannabis industry? I think there's a number of misconceptions about the cannabis industry. I think that uh, really, I don't think people understand the true size potential of the industry. Um, it is a multivaried space. It's it's starting to really un, uh, sort of develop into the CBD line and where you can go with CBD, all the different applications for for that, and really how you how individuals can enjoy THC-based products without really too much concern about you know kind of keeping a lid on things. It's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's never been really focused on before and now it's really coming into the light. And I think that's fantastic. Oh, that's really neat. And, you know, when we're thinking from an investor's perspective, what does every investor need to know about investing in marijuana and in cannabis stocks? You know, I, I think every investor needs to know something that they should already know. The normal investing rules apply. If you're buying stocks in the public markets, 
you need to be very measured about it. You need to do your research. You need to focus on people who have successful careers in other in other walks of life um, and that know the market. I think that, uh, you know, these assumptions that the, that the sky is the limit for these, for these things just because it's a new buzzy story is the wrong way to go about it. You need to be disciplined and you need to be logical. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what are the risks of investing in marijuana and cannabis stocks? The risks in, in investing, again, they're, they're the normal risks, plus the extra layer of the, particularly on a cross-border basis from, for Canadians into the States and vice versa, is that you really need to be aware of the legal environment in which you are, you are uh, not only are you investing, but the company you're investing in is operating. So be cognizant of the fact that there are legal ramifications to various jurisdictions that you as an investor need to know. And, and speaking of the legal side of things, how has the legal landscape been changing in Canada and in the U.S.? You know, the, the legal landscape in Canada was pretty much provided a, a line in the sand back in uh, October 18 when it was, went federally legal here. Um, I think the U.S. in the U.S. space, which I'm more interested in and where chemistry is focused, is far more dynamic and and quite frankly offers more opportunity given the fact that on a state by state basis things are changing really really daily. Hmm. And you know I know a lot of the stocks in this sector, well at least some of them, have already posted really huge gains. Is it too late for investors to get into cannabis stocks? No, it, it's not too late for investors to get into cannabis stocks, in my opinion, particularly those companies that are in the United States. The dynamics of the U.S. market, as I mentioned, are tremendous. You have opportunities showing up every day, states going legal, um, new, new, uh, new applications for CBD and THC-based products, whole new markets are being generated. It's an exciting time to be an investor in this space. You very seldom, in, over the course of an investor's lifetime, get whole new industries opened up to you for, for, for your investing opportunities. That's great. Thank you. And, and tell me, can you tell me a little bit about chemistry's corporate strategy? Chemistry's corporate strategy is actually quite simple. We set the company up as an investment issuer, which means we have the ability to really not only deploy the company's money into other companies, which we've done through uh, Physician's Choice and investment there, and also our, our investment in Pasha brands, but also to, to be proprietary in cultivation, manufacturing, and distribution on a state-by-state -state basis. So we really are not inhibited by any particular orientation. Um, and as a result, when we sat down as a team to design this, we, we had a couple of very simple focal points. One, the United States, two, California, three, vertical integration. And then outside of that, seek to be as, as diversified throughout the United States as possible as these new jurisdictions become legal. You know, your website states that you acquire, brand, develop, and expand. Can, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, the acquisition branding development strategy that chemistry has, we put to we put to the test initially in Washington State, where we purchased the assets underlying a Washington 502 issuer, um, and as, as a function of that transaction, purchased the Sugar Leaf brand for the rest of the United States. It's a fantastic brand. It's well recognized in Washington and it's very well accepted. Um, so we're developing that brand. 
by virtue of uh, having acquired it. Um, alternately, in California, we've purchased nine and a half acres in Desert Hot Springs that we're going to build into a cultivation and manufacturing facility of our own where we can deploy the Sugar Leaf brand and then develop other brands as well. So really try to get as much of the vertical as possible. And, and what is your unique niche in the industry and, and what really sets chemistry apart? I mean, that's a great question, Mark. Really what sets chemistry apart is the depth of experience of our partner group, of our management team, our board of directors, and our core initial investors. We've got people that have been in this space for 30 years in the United States, in Canada, everything from cultivation, manufacturing, to uh, third-party third supplying, all the nutrients, all the lights, everything you need to be in the business. Are, are represented by the, the people that we put this deal together with. So that's absolutely our advantage and uh, what we think has been a tremendous asset for us. Mm. And, and who exactly is on the team? Our team is made up of uh, a, a varied group of people, um, Canada, Canadians and Americans. Our chairman, Justin Torbajan, uh, who's a phenomenal guy. He's been in the business for 25 years. He owns a distribution company for nutrients and products here in Vancouver that's dominant in Canada. Sheldon Aberman, who I've come to work very closely with, has been, he had his career in the similar business as Justin's, but also in cannabis consulting for grow, grows and various facilities. He's, he's developed over a million and a half square feet of canopy for third-party clients. Uh, Dennis Hunter out of Santa Rosa, California, who's a phenomenal story, and his company Canacraft, which is still private, huge processor of cannabis uh, products, and they have a huge suite of products that they make themselves. So really just a, a really varied group of, of people that has been a pleasure working with thus far, and, and we're really looking forward to the future together. Ah, uh, That's very good. And, and uh, I saw a press release, April of 2019, you had announced that Chemistry has acquired an ownership stake in the Physician's Choice CBD company. And they already have a line of products, but, but very little in revenue. I believe it was about 150000 What's strategic about that move? And was this an acquisition about the products or was it there too also about the people? Physician's Choice really, I haven't seen anything as compelling in 30 years in business. I sat down at their pain clinic in, in Phoenix, Arizona, two doctors who are pain management specialists, Harvard, Stanford, Mayo Clinic educated and experienced gentlemen, two of the nicest guys I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Their orientation was to start working for their patients outside of the opioid space because of the devastating effects that that's had worldwide to develop a CBD from, a CBD from hemp-based product line to address pain management issues, sleep issues, general wellness, and so on. I spent three hours with them, and I, as I said, I've never been more excited to make an investment in my life. Um, $150,000 in sales in their first quarter from a dead start, zero advertising budget, strictly word of mouth through the, through the doctor community. That, to me, is completely compelling. The growth that this company has a trajectory to succeed into is something like I've never seen before. So really the products are great. I've used them myself and they work from my perspective, uh, or I should say on, on me. Um, but really it's the doctors and just, just fascinating, fascinating, caring guys. I'm very impressed by them. And what is it about the CBD oil market in general that excites you? 
the CBD market for products on a manufactured basis, I believe to be virtually limitless. My analogy coming from the stock market is that if THC based products are the stock market, then CBD based products are the bond market. The bond market being exponentially bigger than the stock market. There is no doubt that the interest level in CBD products is phenomenal. My mother, 75 years old, asking me about CBD products because she's an active tennis player and wants to stay on the court as long as possible. Not interested in the effects of THC, she's inter interested in the anti-inflammatory benefits of CBD, the, the sleep-related benefits of CBD. So really, it's a huge industry that's just starting to get opened up. Mm, that's amazing. And, and what does this acquisition do for chemistry? The investment into Physicians' Choice, PCCBD, really is a deployment of capital that we think is going to make a tremendous return for chemistry shareholders, pure and simple. Um, Sheldon and I are happy to, to support the doctors and their team as much as we can, give them the benefit of our experience, and frankly, give them the benefit of our shareholders' uh, money to help them build their company and make a return for my investors. Well, that's great, Carl. Thank you so much. Uh, really very informative. I know you've got a company to run and more investments to make and manage. Thank you for joining us today. Mark, thank you very much for your time. It was great to be here. Well, no podcast would be complete without a legal advisory. The company wishes to inform shareholders that there are significant legal restrictions and regulations that govern the cannabis industry in both Canada and the United States. Cannabis-related practices or activities are illegal under U.S. federal laws. The concepts of medical cannabis and recreational cannabis do not exist under U.S. federal law. The Federal Controlled Substances Act classifies marijuana as a Schedule I drug. Under U.S. federal law, a Schedule I drug or substance has a high potential for abuse, no accepted medical use in the United States, and a lack of safety for the use of the drug under medical supervision. As such, cannabis-related practices or activities, including without limitation the manufacturer, importation, possession, use, or distribution of cannabis are illegal under U.S. federal law. Strict compliance with state laws with respect to cannabis will neither absolve the company of liability under U.S. federal law, nor will it provide a defense to any federal proceeding which may be brought against the company. Enforcement of U.S. federal laws will be a significant risk to the business of the company and any such proceedings brought against the company may adversely affect the company's operations and financial performance. Further information regarding the legal status of cannabis-related activities and associated risk factors, including but not limited to risk of enforcement actions, risks that third-party service providers such as banking or financial institutions cease providing services to the company and the risk that company may not be able to distribute profits, if any, from U.S. operations up to the company are included in the prospectus, the company's annual information form, and other documents incorporated by reference therein and in the company's Form 2A listing statement filed with the CSE and available under the company's profile on SEDAR, S-E-D-A-R, at www.sedar.com. 
Neither the Canadian Securities Exchange nor its market regulator, as that term is defined in the policies of the Canadian Securities Exchange, accepts responsibility for the adequacy or accuracy of this news release. Information set forth in this news release includes forward-looking statements under applicable securities laws. Forward-looking statements are statements that relate to future, not past events. In this context, forward-looking statements often address expected future business and financial performance and often contain words such as anticipate, believe, plan, estimate, expect, budget, scheduled, and intend statements that any action or event may might, could, should, or will be taken or occur, or other similar expressions. All statements other than statements of historical fact included herein, including without limitation, the statements about adding clients, building on the company's initial product offerings, entry into definitive agreements. By their nature, forward-looking statements involve known and unknown risks, uncertainties, and other factors which may cause the actual results, performance, or achievements, or other future events to be materially different from any future results, performance, or achievements expressed or implied by such forward-looking statements. Such factors include, among others, the risks identified in the company's reports and filings with the applicable Canadian securities regulators. Forward-looking statements are made based on management's beliefs, estimates, and opinions, and on the date the statements are made. And the company undertakes no obligation to update forward-looking statements if these beliefs, estimates, and opinions or other circumstances should change, except as required by applicable securities laws. Investors are cautioned against attributing undue certainty to forward-looking statements. The company assumes no responsibility to update or revise forward-looking information to reflect new events or circumstances unless required by applicable law. Well, thanks very much again for joining us. I want to again thank our sponsor, publicwire.com, your number one source for emerging market news. And we look forward to you tuning in again.